I just want to touch back a little week, a week ago and say something that happened during this Christmas season for me. One of my favorite, if not my favorite, Christmas songs is a song called Old Holy Night. I love that music. I've read a little history about its author and how it came to being. It's pretty interesting reading, won't go into it, but I want to tell you that Christ was born in the evening. That I do believe. It was a holy night, and let us understand that it was God visiting this planet. I've heard that all my life. I've sang it many times. Uh, we can, I believe, sometimes become so familiar with songs and hymns and things that we sing, maybe even read. I think we can just sometimes, for instance, the lyrics of the song, I think we can find ourselves singing words that we know, but in a sense we sing over them without much thought. This year, I, I heard this song numerous times. I want to sing with it going down the road. I love the song. But something caught my attention this year that I want to bring to your attention. I know you know these words. I, I see them as I never had seen them before. It just brought something to my heart. Thus came the message this morning. Verse 1 of that song is what got my attention. Listen to these words. Oh, holy night. Not just any night. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the sovereign God visiting his created planet. Oh, holy night. The stars are what? Brightly shining. This is the night of the dear Savior's birth. This is the next three lines. Listen to this. Long lay the world, how, in sin and error, pining. Ladies and gentlemen, even in the worst of sin, there is a longing in the human heart for an eternal God. Error, laying in error, long laying in sin, pining. This is a, this is a craving, craving of God from humanity. But watch these words, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I want to tell you, when God came to this planet, he was reaching for your soul and mine, and it stirred this world, felt its worth. Here's the line that I want to really bring out to you that stuck out to me. A thrill of hope. A thrill of hope. Say that with me. A thrill of hope. But watch this. A weary world. Suddenly, a thrill of hope in the midst of a weary world. It goes on to say, rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I love the course, fall on your knees. Come to a place where you realize who this song is about and what he's done and what he's doing. That we who are hopeless without eternity can come to the blood of this fountain. And like that thief in that fountain washed himself, you and I can wash ourselves and be eternally in the family of God. No wonder we hear the angels' voices. O night divine, when Christ was born. O night, holy night. O night divine. As I review this recent past, especially as we would say it in the last couple of years or so, 
as I review this present and I look at the present situation, I watch the news, I try to stay up with what is happening in our world. I want you to know that our world today can be described as it was the day the guy wrote the lyrics to Oh Holy Night. You and I, if we look at it in the sense without God, this is a weary, weary, worn world. I don't mean to be negative. Let's face it as it is. Sin is in the ascendancy. Men will not acknowledge God. They are God unto themselves. And we are trying to still, after century after century, generation after generation, trying to be our own answer. And yet humanity's never had any kind of long-lasting answers. This weary world lyric describes us very accurately. But the writer said, this weary world, what? Rejoices. I want you to say that with me. This weary world rejoices. Pastor, what are you talking about? For yonder, yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I want to tell you, those were very great words to give us encouragement. I, I thank God for people who know the Spirit of God and can find this, this voice of God even in the midst of a weary world. Ladies and gentlemen, that Christ came to this planet and he changed the perspective of what was going to happen on this sin-cursed planet. This world has never been the same. So as we open 2022, God's Word gives us, I believe, some great words for our present and for our future. How many of you understand that we need to know and believe and live in the truth that nothing takes God by surprise and he has all things future under his control? How many of you live with that truth? Karen, good to see you. Just now saw you. Wow, what a delight to see you. I want to live in the future with a knowledge, can I say this, whether the world believes it or not, whether it accepts it or not, regardless of how many may apostate, regardless of how many come, ladies and gentlemen, God has a plan. He is the God of the eternity, and I chain myself. I, I embrace him. I place myself under the blood of Christ, and I know that I know what I commit to him, he is able to keep from now all through eternity. We're in a world, to be honest with you, I do not want to sound as, as if I have any spiritual superiority, but I just want to use this to tell you. I said to someone the other day, as a matter of fact, a couple of, two or three times, I hate the word cancer. I think we know what it does. And I think sometimes many of us contemplate what we might say or think or how it would affect us if we ever sat across the office from a doctor and hear him say, you have this horrid disease. Well, about nine or 10 years ago, that happened to me. And I'll be honest with you, we all sort of sometimes think that we will be the exception. About 10 years ago, this doctor sat across the office to see, I have this news for you. I will tell you this. I came face to face with what I would do when that happened. And I want to tell you what I had happen. 
I want to tell you, the God that keeps you knows exactly when to show up and when and how to comfort you at any moment, any time, any way, in any circumstance. I just want to try to tell you that everything I have known in my background since I was a little boy, everything I knew about this book and its author, everything about it came into play. And when the doctor says, you have cancer and we're going to have to deal with it, I said to him, I put the blood of God Christ over the doorpost of my life many years ago. It's in his hands. I will not fear. I will not be shaken. I will not absolutely allow this to affect me any more than I can because God is in control. There is no fear in total love, ladies and gentlemen. Love casts out all fear. Our problem is that we say we have faith, but our problem is we still want to control our lives ourselves. <laughs> Aren't we? Aren't we sometimes hypocritical? Lord, I let you be Lord of my life as long as it goes well, but if there's problems, I'll try to take care of it myself. And I'm not, I'm not trying to injure us here. I'm just trying to tell you that last week I preached on love, and I, I'm not sure we really understand Christian love. But I want to read you something that we ought to take at heart today in this sanctuary and online, everyone. I want you to listen to some powerful words spoken by the Father to the author, Paul. Listen to what he says. Now, may the God of hope, he's the God what? The God of what? The God of what? Turn to someone and say, even at your house, turn to someone and say, God's a God of hope. God's the author of hope. God's the only source of hope. If there's not God, there is no hope. He rightly named himself. Do you realize God said, I provide hope? I'm having trouble sort of containing myself because I want you to know when you realize God is the source and the only source and he's the eternal and he's the God of hope, you and I really literally have no reason to worry. That's why he said, stop worrying. What can you add or take away from it? Look, why don't we decide we're really going to believe this book? Did I lose all my friends? When are we really going to believe? When are we really going to let the Word of God seep into the deep recesses of our heart and realize that He is the sovereign and He has it all under control? Listen to what He says. May the God of hope fill you. Turn to somebody and say, that means you. It means you, Will. The God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound, how? What does it say? In worry, in fear, in doubt, in unbelief, in misery, in questioning, in trying to control and questioning God and in numerous other things I could say that we do in the human. Stop picking up the negative and realize that God, he will give you joy and peace in believing that you may, what's the next word? Just barely get by so that you can just by the skin of your teeth keep your faith. It says what? Abound, how? In hope, by the power of it doesn't just say a spirit. In my book, it's capitalized. It's holy, and it's the Spirit of God. 
So let's ask ourselves the question, has God abandoned us, yes or no? Is that word forever, yes or no? Does God mean what he says, yes or no? Has he given promises and kept them and he has other promises he's going to keep, yes or no? Then stop worrying and live without fear. I told my staff I was going to stay on my notes and I'd be brief today. I've already blown that. <laughs> Some people speak despairingly of making New Year's resolutions. They, they think that the promises are worthless, and I think some statistician somewhere said 80-plus percent of them were worthless. This cynicism could indicate to us that we're in a world that, by and large, has no hope for the coming year to be any better than the last year. Isn't it amazing every time we think we have one element of COVID, we have another one, and then the government runs up and says, the sky's falling? You said, now listen, Pastor, I'm not disparaging anybody that's ill with it, but I want to tell you, don't, don't, don't underestimate the fact that everything that's being used to try to keep us in fear is being used extremely well. If we listen to him, the enemy of our soul, I will tell you this much, he will make it easy. He has a way of making it easy to give in to despair regarding ourselves, others, the world, even church, the present, and the future. In fact, Satan would have every one of us do so. Has God really said this? How many of you know that was familiar in the first question in Eden? Has God really promised this? Do you really believe that? Look at this. You've prayed, you've asked, and all that. I just want to tell you something. God is sovereign, and he said what he said, and he's planned what he's planned. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I, from a human ability, question it so often, but I think there's some things we need to get set and steadfast and sure. God says it. That settles it. Can I say period? But look at this text. If we listen to the enemy we, and we look about, we can be so defeated. But this text challenges you and it challenges me to maintain. I want you to turn to three or four people and say, maintain an attitude. Do that right quickly at home, wherever you are. Maintain an attitude. What do you think? What do you believe? What are you dwelling on? What forms your attitude? Listen, the, this text tells us to maintain an attitude about ourselves, maintain an attitude about our environs. This is the exact opposite of pessimism and cynicism. This book says maintain the attitude because of the knowledge of the sovereign. He is the God of hope and he will fill you with joy and peace. How? How? It paints us a picture of God who has high hopes, a future for every one of us. I, I want you to look at me very closely. God has your future already planned. God has your future already planned. And God promises in that future to fill us with hope and optimism, not despair and doom and gloom. 
You say, Pastor, you're going to try to pump us up today? I don't have to. This word, ladies and gentlemen, is settled. It doesn't matter what my emotions think about it, but I am trying to wound the devil and black his eye if I can to keep you from listening to everything negative. How's God do this? First of all, here's my points. Martin, you'd be proud. Number one, this God of hope declares that we can abound in hope. We have this idea that, well, Lord, we just struggle through. I, ladies and gentlemen, I would, let me try to say it like this. I, I want to try to get truth to the deepest part of your spirits. God is not nervous about the future. God is not nervous. He's not upset. God's not wringing his hands. God's never said, I didn't see that coming. As a matter of fact, he planned everything that does come. God is not, <laughs> God is not nervous. God is not in despair. God does not wonder about what he's going to do about the conditions of the nations of this world. But God speaks to us today and says that you can abound in hope because our hope comes from him. There's two or three things I want to say about that. Three of them, I think. Number one, this. Hope fills us with excitement and optimism. Hope has an effect upon us. It touches our inmost being. Paul said, listen to this, Christians, genuinely twice-born men and women, Christians are able to rejoice in hope in the glory of God. Romans just five chapters early. Romans 5, 2. Christians are have the ability and are able to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And that's not conditional. It's just fact. Also in Romans 1 Corinthians, sorry, in Corinthians, hope is one of the great characteristics that endures forever along with faith and love. Is that word true? Yes or no? Abide these three things, and the greatest of these is love. It endures, ladies and gentlemen, it endures in us now. God's hope is what can and will keep us positive. God's hope in us gives us the footing so that you and I can walk forward with encouragement and purpose from this moment forward. Secondly, it not, only, it not only gives us excitement and optimism. Secondly, it produces patience and persistence. Without hope, there is no incentive to continue. How many of you have struggled the last two years trying to keep yourself up, as we say? How many of you, you, you get, if Satan comes, you get depressed. How many of you have to work on yourself to get yourself positive? Two years, five years, and listen, the more responsibilities you have. Listen, we're not by ourselves. Satan comes at, at many times trying to totally just take any hope, any desire, no persistence in our lives. 
And when you don't have hope, there's no incentive to continue. But hope says, my son, my daughter, I've came that you might have life more abundantly. That, I don't think that means we're all going to drive you know, $12 million bank accounts. I don't think all that. I, I think all those are material things and God wants to bless us and thank God he does. I, I believe this, if God has your heart, he doesn't care how much you have. Because if he has your heart, you, he owns it all anyway. So this coming year, we're, you're going to give it, right? <laughs> I set that in there really well, didn't I? Your incentive is gone if you don't have hope. With it, we have to be patient, and with it, we're consistent, and with it, can I say spiritually, we contend for the faith. There are promises ahead for this year, ladies and gentlemen. Every believer should have persistence in their spirit. Amen. Thirdly, hope helps us face the future. Martin, here's three more points. You can make a sermon out of these. With that face of our future, it helps us. Number one, hope is a product of the promises of God to us. I want to say it again. Hope is a product of the promises of God to us. Secondly, hope is the product of the presence of God with us. God didn't just speak to us. He walks with us. How many of you know that he's with us day and night? Thirdly, hope is the product of the power of God which works in us. Philippians 2.13. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. I want to just stop this morning and say thank God for hope. And in hope, it can abound in us. Even when we see this world in all of its chaos, even when we lose loved ones. Ladies and gentlemen, this book didn't say we won't have sorrow, especially at, at losing a loved one like many of us did this last year. It simply says we do not sorrow as those who have no hope. We have sorrow, but not the way the world does. When it's over for them, it's over. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you said, Pastor, you talk about death a minute, just a second. Listen, I don't want to go any sooner than I have to or any sooner than God's plan, but I want to tell you something. Death is the last thing that Satan can ever do to a born-again Christian, and when you die, death dies. It's over. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, from that point on, it is absolute beyond our comprehension. I want us, how many of you believe the book? How many of you believe the book? If you believe this book, there should be no fear in death. Pastor, you, you're bold enough to say, yes, I am. Does that mean we desire what? No, we're human beings. God understands all that. But please hear me. We're, we, in, in all that we know about death, it's still a mystery. And we as human beings like to play God and be in charge and know it all. Can I tell you, because of sin, we have been diminished. We don't know it all. We will not know it all. But this word says to be absent in the body is to be immediately present with the Lord if you're a twice-born child and daughter and son of God. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no fear. He's not standing on the other side to meet me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of 
of the shadow of death. Thou art with me. He comforts me. I want to tell you, death is nothing more than the last step here and the first step into glory forever. I do not think we should fear death. I would love to, I would love to dispel the fear of death in all of Christendom. And it, it's just so human. Pastor, we just lost a loved one. I just lost a loved one. I understand. But I want you to know, I know where my loved one is. Brother Jerry, I know where Mildred is. <laughs> Listen, when you prepare all your life, do we have sorrow? Sure we do. But it doesn't mean we sorrow like those without hope. It helps us face our future. Secondly, the God of hope desires to fill us with joy. That's what the scripture said. Fill us with joy. And it says fill us with all joy. All joy. Today, perhaps, joy is an elusive and misunderstood concept. First of all, I say, think sometimes joy is mistaken for happiness. And I want to tell you, happiness and joy aren't anywhere close to the same. They can happen simultaneously, but let me just say this. Happiness is linked to what happens to you and to those you love. Happiness. It's linked to happenings. Joy is something much deeper. It's much deeper than circumstance. Secondly, joy and pleasure are often confused. I heard someone, I wrote it down a long time ago, I read this. Someone said that pleasure is the pause between experiencing two pains. <laughs> I don't know if I like that philosophy or not, but whether it's true or not, this much I know. Church, Christian joy is not dependent upon earthly and human, human circumstance. Christian joy is not dependent upon circumstance. Joy is the thankfulness, that, that, that heart function of love and appreciation, and it's that thankfulness that is put into your heart for who God is. And let us be reminded, he is the I am that was. I am yesterday. He is the I am today, and he will be the I am tomorrow. That puts joy that you can't take, put it in there, and you can't take it out if you're born. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, God is the I am. And joy is the receiving and the exuberance and the experience. And can I say the spiritual, emotional delight that is inside the heart of twice-born men and women because of what God has given us in Christ. The world can't put that there, and the world cannot take that out of us. Joy is something God does in the depths of our soul. He fills us with joy because of forgiveness. How many of you have joy because you know your sins are covered? He fills us with joy because we know we have eternal life. He fills us with joy because this is one of my favorite things to say. He fills me with joy because, ladies and gentlemen, I am a member of the family. <laughs> I belong I'm a member of the household of faith. I think we ought to stop and think about that. 
I'm a member of the family. He gives me joy and fills us with joy because we know we go to heaven. How many of you know this morning if suddenly you were to die, how many of you would be in heaven? Come on, let me see your hand. We ought to be glad about that. What are we worried about? What are we concerned about? He fills us with joy when we help serve and win others to the life of faith. And thirdly and lastly, the God of hope fills us with his peace. And I want to say his wonderful peace. You ever notice something about humanity? We always seek to be trouble-free in our life. We always want to be trouble-free. And, and don't we? It's, all of us want that peace. If you really want to look at it and view the reality, there's not much genuine peace on this planet. Not much peace. We, yet we long for it. We, there's a yearning inside of us at all times for peace. The human heart yearns for serenity. I, I never was allowed to go to movies and didn't knew very little about music when I was a childhood. If it wasn't in church or maybe on Gene Autry, I'd never heard of it. <laughs> Some of you never heard of Gene Autry. It's okay. He's a cowboy that played a guitar and sang. I don't, I don't know. I, that's about all I knew. But I remember in the music department when I was in high school that I walked in one day and I saw sheet music and it said these words. I don't know what it was. I'm assuming it was a movie. I've never stopped to ask or look. I don't know. Maybe it's just a song someone wrote, but I've thought about it many times because it had a picture of the globe and some somebody walking on it, I think, if I remember right. And it said, stop the world. I want to get off. How many have ever heard of that song? Is it a movie? Was it a movie? You don't know either. We're righteous, aren't we? <laughs> Stop the world. I want to get off. I want to tell you there's a lot of times when I wanted the world to stop so I could get off a while. You know what I mean by that. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just talking about... I, let me tell you something about me. I'm a... A guy from the country, I was raised in very meager and plain means, and although I love the great modern things that we have, you know what? My wife has it so much better than my mom did and grandmother. Do you know what? Let me tell you something. There's not a lazy bone in my wife's body, but she has a dishwasher. She doesn't use it, but she has one. You know why she doesn't use our dishwasher? She don't want to get it dirty. It's true. It's true. She don't want to get it dirty. Um, I was just thinking the other day. I was watching an old cowboy, and every time I see one of these fireplaces, these old metal fire stoves, I love it because in my young years, I remember an old wood fire in a house and I was a kid and my grandparents loved me and they would my grandmothers could make biscuits like you can't fathom 
And they would get up and slice that bacon and go out to the old smoke shack and bring that in. And I know now I'm reminiscing and going back. You just have no idea how old I really am. But there's a part of me I've noticed I long, I, 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 almost, I don't want to go back, but I keep longing for that. I keep longing for that, that peace time. I keep longing for that, that time where things were, can I, I don't even know if you'll understand, they were homey. We didn't have all the, all the, we didn't have all the outside world just firing at us with every kind of thing. It was, there was God in the house and there was, there was morality in our streets and there was, there was principle that guided this nation and the home and the school and church were all on the same side. And I find myself wanting to be honest with you, go build me some kind of a little, little wooden, uh, what do you call them? Cedar houses, what do you call them? What? Cabins, it's just a, a wood log cabin. That's what I was trying to think of. I, I just want, I, I sometimes want to be there and just stop this world and let me, just let me get off a while. And I, I find myself some, so many times yearning for that. Well, I realize, ladies and gentlemen, that's really a longing for the eternal world because only there are we going to know absolute eternal peace. Only there are we going to know that. Without God, humanity today is experiencing inner tension. Let me tell you something. I went through the channels the other night, several, four, five, six, eight channels, and I watched two or three minutes of all the major networks and all the things I, to watch how we're going to bring in the new year. Wow. I'm pretty blown away. I can tell you this, there's a whole lot of celebrating going on. And there's a lot of money spent on fireworks. And I don't bother. None of that bothers me. Let them have the fire. Let, I, I like fireworks, all that. I, I, like to, I like to have a party. We had some parties here this Christmas. I, I enjoy. I think, God, I think God wants us to have fun. But I'm going to tell you something. In the midst of that all, there's great inner tension. In the midst of all that, there is absolute loneliness and a seeking somehow to count or, or, or to be recognized or to be loved and to be accepted. But I want to tell you, without hope, humanity experiences inner tension making serenity impossible. We wrestle with ambition. We are distracted by desires and we live amidst great contradictions. We are pulled apart inside as if in a civil war, a, a, a cross pull and the minds and the hearts of people on this planet are battlegrounds now for their souls are in that cross pull that Satan places there. Two things I want to say quickly. Number one, God desires to bring order to peoples whose lives are in chaos. And God's the only one that can bring that order. God wants to speak order into your life. In the midst of it all, I want to share with you, God has that plan for us. God wants to put tranquility where there's turmoil. Right in the midst of all of it, God stands in absolute immutability and says, weary, heavy laden, 
Come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. I'll give you rest and I will give you peace. Not only peace for the present, but God says, I'll give you peace of mind, of soul, of body, of spirit. And that comes through faith in Christ. And let me tell you, that peace lasts forever. Amen. Generation 2022, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And all the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. The Holy Spirit at salvation enters and He indwells. And He seeks to lead us and guide us, bringing us into harmony with the will of God and making absolute inner peace possible. Listen, you'll never be at peace in your heart till you're at peace with God in your soul and spirit. It'll never happen. You can't have the peace of God without having peace in God. And you can't have the peace of God and in God without having peace with God. That's a message I preached years ago. Only God can give you that peace. Our text affirms that through the Spirit of God we have a life, hear me, a life that is to be filled with hope and joy and peace. Will you just bow your heads with me and say these words with me? Fill with hope. Say them with me. Fill with hope. Fill with joy. Fill with peace. Let's say it again. Fill with hope. Fill with joy. Fill with peace. With your head bowed, I just want to tell you God has given through this message today three great words for your future. And I want to encourage you to rejoice because you can be full of hope and full of joy and full of peace. And He will do this in us and to us and for us and through us by His Spirit. 2022, even as the songwriter described, even in a weary world. 2022, I face you with a great anticipation because my God prepares me. He promises to me and He provides for me. 